And welcome to the Roden Fellows Podcast. I'm your host, Marissa Stubbs, a senior broadcast journalism student attending Florida AM University. And today I'm joined by three of my fellows to discuss some great topics. Fellows, if you will, introduce yourselves. Hi, everyone. My name is Jayla Jones, and I am a senior at Prairie View AM University. Hello, everyone. My name is Jonathan Scott. I am a junior at Hampton University. What's up, everybody? This is Ashton Edmonds, and I am a senior at Clark Atlanta University. You know, a lot has happened since our last episode, and especially for HBCUs. As we know, Raphael Warnock, a graduate of Morehouse, became the first Black United States senator from Georgia. And a Twitter user, user tweeted, if a Morehouse man becomes a U.S. senator while a Howard alumna is the vice president, and both were aided by a Spelman College woman, I never ever, ever want to hear any more talk about HBCUs not preparing you for the real world. So fellows, what are your reactions to this great news? And what does it say about the power of HBCUs? I think all of this news is phenomenal. I think all of it is amazing, especially how, you know, they were able to go so far and the fact that they came from HBCUs. But I'm not going to lie, while everyone was like, oh, this is so great for HBCUs, I was kind of just like, well, duh. Like, yeah, like I wasn't really surprised about right. it. Right, Black excellence, I, I understand. <laughs> I think when you, when you kind of have like a subtle, well, maybe uh, HBCUs, I think that's when you're so surprised that it's going to happen. But when you're actually at an HBCU and you're actually seeing it and you're actually, you know, knowledgeable about what's capable coming from there, you're just kind of like, well, yeah, of course. Like, what did you expect? Right, Jayla, and I like that take. And Ashton, that's what I wanted to ask you. Do you think that HBCUs are still going through these stereotypes of when they look at our name and they look at our school and they go, eh, like, you know, what do you what do you think on that? What is your thought? Right. I feel like we definitely are still going through those same stereotypes. I feel like people feel like, you know, HBCUs might not have all the resources or all the tools that, you know, these bigger PWI schools have, but you know, we're, we're college students and we're making a way out of no way. And I feel like, you know, um, HBCUs prepare you for the real world without you even realizing it. And, you know, with Raphael Warnock just being elected as United States Senator, this was very big, you know, not only for um, HBCUs, but just for African-Americans in general, um, being that he was the first black United States Senator in Georgia. Um, so I think this, this news was great. And I feel like HBCUs are, you know, from last year and this year, they're definitely starting to get more notoriety just from, you know, with everything that has been happening. Right. And Ashton, were you in Atlanta during um, the time where he got elected? Definitely. Yeah. Atlanta it, it's, it right. is crazy. So like tell me, yeah, you got to you got to let us know. How was that atmosphere? Yes. Yeah, I mean, the cap people like people was at the Capitol building just doing the most just around the Capitol building all through downtown, you know, people driving by honking their horns and um, people at the State Farm Arena, like even like during the presidential election, it was like Biden supporters on one side, Trump supporters on the other side. And it was just crazy. And, you know, I feel like with this year, um, it was so many millennials that went out and voted. And I feel like that's what really helped, you know, make a change in politics this year. Right. Most definitely. I mean, Jonathan, you heard Ashton. He talks about how, you know, HBCUs, we know how to have a party, especially when there's just great leaders doing great things like this. So what is your take on this? 
Yeah, I could definitely agree. I'd say the last maybe last year and a half, maybe two years has been a highlight in on and on HBCUs. And I mean, that's not a bad thing that other people are now recognizing the talent level of the people that are coming out and being produced by our historically black colleges, universities, the level of teaching that goes on at our institutions. Yeah, there's no reason why we should be having representation at all levels of government, especially from HBCU specifically. Most definitely. I agree. And we talk about, you know, representation and, you know, what we have to really see uh, in our future leaders to really believe in ourselves. So that's my next question for you guys. Like um, we talk about the power of HBCUs and the way they prepare us for everything and really anything in the world. But if we take a look at everything that's going on in the world, are we really prepared? I mean, you know, we turn on our TVs and we see the Trump supporters storming the Capitol and the Jacob Blake shooters not being charged and athletes are now starting to kneel again. So what are your thoughts on that? I definitely I, I feel like we're prepared um, in the utmost way. You know, that what what we saw on TV was just was just crazy. And I, I don't think none of us, like our parents, or our grandparents ever saw anything like that. That was just crazy to me. Um, but I feel like, you know, we, we're definitely prepared. You know, this doesn't change anything. This doesn't change our narrative of us not being prepared. You know, I feel like we, us as African-Americans, you know, we peacefully protested throughout the summer. And there was, you know, cops were, you know, just doing the most to us. And we weren't even really, you know, causing damage to, anything but you have Trump supporters storming the the U.S. Capitol which is crazy and nobody you know it was no really um harm being done or no like precautionary measures being taken place so I just feel like you know this is it's definitely two Americas that we live in and you know justice definitely needs to be served for sure Right, Ashton, I agree. Jayla, I wanted to ask you, you know, Ashton, he talks about, you know, how he feels like we're prepared, but as Black women attending HBCUs, do you feel like you're prepared? Um, I think we're as prepared as we can be, considering that the country we're in, the world overall, but especially this country, is so unpredictable at all times. Um, so yesterday I was, or the day of the Capitol Breaching, I was actually kind of just sitting back watching, kind of, you know, enjoying all the Black Twitter tweets and the memes and the laughs about the ordeal. And I was reading tweets from like people who actually live in DC and they were talking about how like on a regular day, it would be impossible to get, you know, towards a government building. So to see how deep everybody was and to see, you know, just how far they got was like, how did that even happen? It was, it was too much. And I don't know. I think people are so unpredictable nowadays that it's almost like you can't be as prepared as you want to be. But at the same time, I think if worse come the worst, we'll be able to get what we need to get done. Most definitely. Jonathan, what about you? Uh, Ashton did touch on a really good point. The fact that, I mean, we've heard it from Doc Rivers himself and a number of other um, athletes as well speaking out on this. There's there's a stark difference in the treatment that some people received when protesting and others who seemingly are getting welcomed into the Capitol buildings. I have a question for you guys. Do you think kneeling is kind of losing its importance? Do you think it's kind of losing oh, its effect? Most definitely, because Jayla, we talk about that. Like, you know, 
the players didn't kneel until they start. They heard the Jacob Blake decision and, and they seen what was going on at the Capitol. Were they kneeling from the time frame of when the NBA bubble ended to, you know, up until a few days ago? So I feel like we have to ask ourselves, like we always talk about, you know, America's the fight. I feel like the fight that we're up against, it shouldn't be, hmm, maybe we'll do this here. Or maybe, you know, they're picking and choosing when they really want to stand for the cause. But if we ask ourselves, like, can we stand for the cause 24-7? That's real. I definitely agree with Marissa on that. Like, I feel like, you know, players and people are kind of just picking and choosing, you know, when these things keep reoccurring, like the same episode just keeps happening and happening. No justice is being served. And I feel like, you know, we have to keep pushing and keep fighting to get justice. I mean, the fact that um, Jacob Blake's, you know, uh, the police officers weren't charged, you know, for his shooting is just crazy to me. And same with Breonna Taylor, you know, these are two innocent black people that were shot and, and you know, just handled, you know, crazy for no reason by cops. And I feel like, you know, we really have to just keep, keep going and keep kneeling, keep fighting to bring change into our country. No, I definitely agree. I do think, that kneeling has kind of become like a universal symbol within sports to show that like here we're fighting for this or this is our message. But I think we as a country or we're kind of getting desensitized to it to the point where it's losing its meaning. And it's like, oh, they're kneeling again. Like what's now? Like, you know, it's just, right. I think it's up in the air again, you know, like, you know. Like it's either, either it's time we do something different or at this point, y'all just got to stop kneeling because it's not like its meaning is being demolished. You know, it's right. just, it doesn't carry the same weight it once did. That's what I think. What's the next kneeling controversy going to be? What's the next level? Where do you take it from kneeling? That's, to that's, that's, I feel like, like Jayla, we talk about, you know, it being a, a kind of like a trend of kneeling or, the, you know, the fist up in the air, but it's really like the point. W- when the officers weren't charged for the Jacob Blake, like how that that should have stopped America. Like it should have been like, you know, like, you know, but if it would have stopped America and the next day, you know, would have been the 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 riots at the Capitol. Who knows? But you know, obviously we're just living in a divided world. But before we move on, I just want to know what teams do you guys like in the NBA right now? I mean, they started kneeling, so I want to get your take on their gameplay. I mean, the Sixers are looking like nice right now. However, they did lose, but also, the Lakers, you know, the defending champions are still looking good. So what are your teams looking like right now? Yeah, I'm, I definitely like the Lakers. I feel like the Lakers are going to go for a two-peat. I feel like they acquired some great players, you know, in the free agency, Dennis Schroeder, Marcherez um, Harrell. You know, I feel like they didn't really lose anything. They really gained a lot. So I feel like LeBron is just going to keep winning. And I feel like the Lakers are going to go for another two-peat. I don't really see any other team that's you know competing, wow. competing with them that's just my opinion that, you know. okay yeah I was gonna say with the level of competition I mean it's a lot of teams right now that are that are trying to beat the Lakers but Jayla let me see what what is your team doing or do you have any teams that you like right now yeah I'm with the Sixers right now I I really <laughs> like the Sixers of course you have Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons who are always going to play at a high level but then you have Shake Milton coming up you have Tobias Harris you have the rookie and Tyrese Maxey and I mean we don't we don't have to talk about what happened with the Nets, 
because we just we just don't have to talk Listen, about that Kyrie and uh Katie duo is I mean it's it's gonna test a lot of teams this season we don't we all have to talk about that. but overall they've had a very they've had a very strong start to the season and I don't think they're quite at the level as the Lakers would be right now but I do think that they can make it far in the Eastern Conference blah 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 all this Nets talk look man the Knicks are five and three you heard they're the best team in New York right now. So that's all I want to talk Austin, you gotta, you gotta give that up. You gotta give that up. Um, running, running, running that backcourt. And it looks great. And I expect to see more of it. I'm glad they brought Tom Thibodeau in. We're actually have a competent coach now. So you guys can see what happens when we have good players surrounded by good talent and good coaching. It's beautiful. I want to see more of it. Listen, I mean, that's cute. All of y'all team, you know, it's, it's cute. But no one mentioned the Golden State Warriors. And I'm confused on why, because that is my team. And the Golden State Warriors, I mean, we really look at this team. Everybody came in, you know, unfortunately, we don't have Clay Thompson with us. But we have a great team. Damian Lee, I mean, uh, Kelly Oubre, like all these players combining, I feel like it's fulfilling the young talent. And if y'all haven't been paying attention, I mean, Steph Curry hit his career high of 62 points that's something we all should have mentioned but i mean i digress you know you have your team you know certain things you just come to expect 62 points from steph just doesn't phase me anymore wow really? i think i think you know 62 points in the amount of minutes that he scored was was definitely crazy you know um stephen curry definitely changed the game uh and so many i feel like so many young players in high school now are just starting to you know kind of change their game based off of steph curry so I mean I think it was I think it was a shocker like that was that was pretty Definitely. major from Steph Curry yeah sure. like, major. especially considering that you know like I said he doesn't have his splash brother Clay Thompson so he's yeah. really the leader on that court right now like they said he's the oldest player on that court right now so he's leading this team and he's doing it very well that's true that's very true all right guys we're gonna switch gears here and head over to the nfl because if we look at the nfl it's a lot of hiring and firing going on right now i mean and actually it's pretty interesting to watch but if we think about it our very own mr jason reed here with the undefeated wrote a great story about how the league is seeking improvement and diversity matters and the story he highlighted how entering the hiring cycle, the NFL had only three black or Latino head coaches and two black general managers. So Jonathan, I want to get your take on this first. How do you feel about this issue? And what do you think it's going to take for us, for really the league to start hiring more minority coaches? The fact that uh, when it's two white coaches being fired, they say that teams have parted ways. But when they were showing Anthony wow. Lynn, they were saying, hey, right. they put his face downcast. Fired in all caps, huh? <laughs> flat out fired. So, I mean, there's definitely a difference in way those things are reported. And I mean, we need to be aware of those things as well. Right. Okay. Jayla, I want to get your take on this. What were you thinking? When it comes to the NFL and every other major sports league at that, I think we just need to hire more black coaches. And I know that sounds like, well, duh, but it's like, just do it. I mean, there are more than enough quality qualified black coaches like there's no reason at all we should be at a, a disadvantage even you know all minorities but at the same time it's like 
there's no reason unless you're talking about you know what they're able to do and their resumes there's no reason we should be at a disadvantage in the coaching positions like there's no viable reason that anyone can think of that's like oh well why don't we have any black coaches you know and when you ask that question a lot of the times it's just like uh well we're trying to be more inclusive and blah 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 but it's like okay, how long have you had this diversity program? How long have you been trying to be more inclusive? Like at this point, just, just get more black. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey, Jayla said, just do it. Like, you know, like, like Nike, just do it. Just so do Ashton, it. What, not- Ashton, what's your take on this? Should we just do it? No, I definitely agree with Jayla for sure. Like the fact that the first black team president was hired in August this year, like ever in the NFL was, you know, I feel like was very monumental, but it's kind of crazy being the league is like 70% African-American players. Say that. And I'm just like, you know, you know, right. the league has our never players can be 75, you know, our players can be 75%, but the, right. the, the person who's running this team, you know, it gotta be one or half of one, you know, I, I yeah, definitely. Agree. Exactly. Exactly. And it's crazy to know that the league never had more than eight head coaches of color since the Rooney rule was implemented in 2003. I feel like, you know, the NFL should, like definitely give more um, minority head coaches, you know, the opportunity to coach these teams, especially like the fact that Anthony Lynn got fired, you know, coming off a seven and nine season, you know, his first year as head coach in 2017, he was nine and seven and the very next year he was 12 and four. You know, he he really only had one bad season um, in 2019 when he was five, five and 11, but I still feel like Anthony Lynn should have had another chance. And he had a young quarterback, Justin Herbert, who was just drafted in 2020, like, you got to give these coaches some time because I feel like Anthony Lynn could have really took the charges to the next level, in my opinion. I'll, I'll agree with you for that. I mean, it, for what it, what it looks like to me is that when it comes to not just black coaches or black players as well, I mean, look at the uh, Haskins situation. Black, black right. players in right. general are on a much shorter leash than exactly. when it comes to their counterparts. Look at Matt Patricia. How many years did he spend in Lions running that organization into the ground? I mean, Bill O'Brien, yeah, he's gone, obviously, submitted some stupid trades. But, I mean, look, we've got Eric Bieniemy, one of the biggest high-profile offensive coordinators in the league. He's a hot commodity. Every team, I mean, honestly, Houston, if Watson was going to stay in Houston, needless to say, if he does or not, it remains to be seen. But that was definitely one of his highlight teams to look for. Now, hopefully, it may be the Jets. Right. And Jonathan, you touch on that, you know, how the leash is shorter. And watching the whole Dwayne Hassan situation, I was like, you got to understand, if Black players off-field, off-the-field performance matches their on-the-field performance, you're, you're, you're cutting ties with yourself because you're already at a disadvantage. And to summarize this topic, I mean, talent is talent. But when you think about what you need for your team, you need a team builder and you need someone to carry you, Not like I said, not only on the field, but off the field also. So you have to build your team and really like your franchise around that. Who can really be a true leader? So like I said, talent is talent. But my next question for you guys is, is it fair to blame Cam Newton for the Patriots season that they had? No. Who's calling and the plays? I, well, I, mean, I honestly, he that is such a sentence. I, I really wanted it to be his year of him carrying this Patriots team on his back, and I and they just honestly, I wanted them go to go to the Super Bowl. I mean, I really did, but I don't know. Like Ashton, what? Do you, how how do you feel? I don't know. I don't. Nah. I, I mean. 
I feel like Cam already had a lot of pressure on his shoulders. You know, Tom Brady was just their quarterback. So he was coming into a franchise where they were winning multiple Super Bowls. Um, I feel like, you know, with him signing a one-year contract, they should have gave him more time to develop. Um, I just, I definitely, I feel like Cam did his thing this this season for sure. And I feel like it's a team, I think it's a team effort. Like it's a collective. It's, people just shouldn't put the blame on Cam for, you know, how the Patriots are playing right now. So Right. And Jonathan, I have a question for you. Ashton, he talks about, you know, like, time to develop. Do you think the time for black athletes slash black coaches to develop and really carry a program or get used to that position? Do you feel like it's shorter or we do we already know that it's shorter than, you know, the opposite race? I think we automatically walk into the situation knowing it's shorter. I mean, we go, we, we've all heard the phrase, you must be 10 times better just to get into the same room. You may be twice as better, right. twice as hard just to get the same amount of opportunities afforded to other people. So, I mean, regardless if it's a coach, quarterback, there's going to be a target on their back and there's going to be a, a clock that's counting down ultimately to, okay, how long until this guy fails or how long till we get the next guy in or how long till he slips up or how long until it's some sort of scandal, really. I mean, I think that's what deters teams and maybe fan bases against um, going for Elaine uh, black quarterback as opposed to white one take the Jets for example I mean obviously we lost the number one pick we're not getting Trevor Lawrence so bang boom number two Justin Fields has been lights out the last two seasons and now all of a sudden yep. they're like oh Zach Wilson Zach Wilson Zach Wilson Zach Wilson's cool yeah don't get me wrong but he who has he played other than Coastal Carolina's defense who other than this year people be like who is Coastal Carolina <laughs> right. <laughs> who is Coastal Carolina? So, I mean, I get it, but mm, there's no reason for you to downplay Fields' ability uh -huh. as opposed to just saying, okay, no, I just much prefer the Mormon Mahomes and Zach Wilson. Right, most definitely, most definitely. So my next question from you guys is, do you think Drew Brees should have been retired, especially considering the injuries that he had, not only really this year, but in previous seasons? What do you guys think about that? Low-key, I think him and Tom have a, um, they have like some sort of competition or bet going on to see who can go further and break the most records. Yeah, because I mean, once once Breeze took the lead, it's like Brady's like, yeah, okay, no, I'm not, I'm not resting back until I take the lead back and I'm retiring out. Who's going to retire on top out of both of us? Right. And everyone talks about like, you know, when Tom Brady goes to the bench and he makes that look like it's like it's game on. So exactly. Ashton, what do you think? Do you think Drew Brees should have been retired? I think Drew Brees, you know, I still feel like Drew Brees is playing excellent, honestly. You know, the Saints went 12 and 4 this uh yeah, they're they're 12 and 4. And I feel like Drew Brees is still a high caliber quarterback. He's still, you know, doing his thing for the Saints. And I feel like he could possibly the Saints could possibly win a Super Bowl um with Drew Brees still at quarterback. You know, he is older and he's definitely a vet, but I don't I feel like Drew Brees um, definitely shouldn't have retired, you know, soon. I feel like he's doing this thing and the Saints are still good. So, OK, Jayla, what about you? I don't think he should have retired early, but I do think he should consider it now. Not to say that his play is um, declining, even as it might be due to age. I think we um, kind of underestimate 
how much pressure the NFL puts on their bodies and compared to, you know, like NBA players who can play, you know, well into their 40s. And the NFL is a totally different game. That man had a collapsed lung this year. A collapsed collapsed lung and fracture. That's crazy. Doctor was like, well, maybe you should. I mean, I don't know. It just considering how physical uh, the NFL is, considering his age, considering the injuries he sustained this year, I think maybe not retire, but definitely slow it down a bit and step more into a mentoring role for the other young QBs on the Saints. Most definitely. And we talk about mentoring roles and I I feel like an issue that we also have to tackle is the fact that two great quarterbacks or two great players can coexist. I mean, we see like quarterbacks acting like they can't coexist with another younger quarterback that may even be more talented than him. So that's definitely something we have to like ask ourselves, like can two players coexist with each other? Do you guys feel like that's a common problem in not only the NFL, but also the NBA? One, one note to go back to your, um, what we were just talking about. I mean, Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston are not franchise quarterbacks, either one. So, I mean, honestly, they're probably just playing them out until they could draft one which I, or trade for one. I mean, Deshaun Watson ending up on the Saints would be an excellent, excellent, excellent person to fill in for Bree's role. So. All right, guys. Well, I'm glad we could discuss some great topics this show. I mean, we obviously touched on some topics that need to be discussed and also some fun ones. So I just want to end, end this show by highlighting Bianca Smith, who joined the Boston Red Sox as the first Black woman to coach in professional baseball history. So kudos to her and keep paving away for future Black women who want to pursue coaching positions. Thank you, everyone, so for listening to the Roden Fellows podcast. This show is produced by Jonathan Scott. Special thanks to Tarika Foster-Brasby and the ESPN Digital Audio Content Team. I'm Marissa Stubbs. I've been your host. And you can find all of our previous Roden Fellows podcasts by subscribing to The Undefeated on the Listen tab of the ESPN app. Join us next time for another HBCU podcast. And don't forget to make The Undefeated your go-to site for a soulful look at sports and culture. Have a great week, everyone.